Well, we're in part three in this series called Worth Sharing. And let's go ahead and pick up in Romans chapter one. Smile at your neighbor real quick. Make sure they're not in your purse or something to, you know. Oh, good. Romans 1, verse 16, 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for, for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the, for the Greek or the non-Jew. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And this all starts out with Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And gospel we understand to mean good news. And what really gives the good news its context is the bad news. And so as we look at things, we all need some good news. That was a little feeble. We all need some good news. We all need good news. And the gospel is so powerful. And I'll expand this for you in a moment here. The gospel, get this. The gospel is so powerful powerful that it will bring salvation to you if you believe it. So let's back up then. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? This is the thing that will make the difference in heaven and hell. And I believe even how your journey on life goes in summation, the gospel could be this, that Jesus died for every sin done to you. And he died for every sin done by you. God is holy and just and perfect. And one day we all are going to stand for him. Whoever you are, we're going to stand before him. And a holy, just, and perfect God will judge us. And we are none of those things. We're not holy, just, perfect, or anything. We're just a perfect mess sometimes. And we we created a mess. We created debt by our sin. And we can't repay that debt and we cannot clean up the mess and we can't help ourselves. And then we're going to stand before this God and here's where the gospel comes in. God so loved us and saw that there's no way we could get out of this. He so loved us. He was so moved by this that Jesus, his son, put on flesh, came on this earth, earth, dwelled among us, did miracles, signs, and wonders. And he went about preaching, teaching, and healing. And he taught the most incredible words that have ever been spoken on this planet. And those words will live and abide forever. Amen. And he lived this perfect sinless life. And then he went to a cross for substitutionary atonement. It should have been me. It should have been you for the mess and debt that we created. But then the only end result of that would have been a bunch of people died on a cross, period. But instead, he, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for all mankind, went to that cross. And the Bible says he became sin for us. He took all of our sin on him and he was nailed to the tree. And as a result of that, then the righteousness of God became ours. And we became righteous or in right standing with God. He went, he was buried, he defeated death hell and the grave. And on the third day, by the power and presence of God, God raised him from the dead. And because he lives, you too can live. He ascended to heaven. Wait, wait, there's still more. He ascended to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Hallelujah. Now that 
in 30 seconds or half hour, however long that took. I, I lost track because I'm hanging loose, no tie. You know, I, 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 <laughs> that, my friends, is the gospel. And if you believe that, that Jesus is the hero of history, that he is who he says he is and did this and did it for you and all that he still does and will do for you. If you believe that, the gospel is powerful enough to bring salvation to you. Amen. Well, what is salvation, preacher? Salvation is, means you got rescued and we all needed rescued. And we got rescued from sin, from self, and from Satan. Not only were we rescued then, then we were connected to a heavenly father. Get this? We have a heavenly father, and we're headed to heaven. How many of you know that life is just a vapor? I mean, honestly, in my mind sometimes, I'm, I'm, seriously, I'm nervous about starting seventh grade. How many of you, really, in your mind, it seems like you're just in junior high? Don't leave me hanging up here. <laughs> Life is a vapor. Whew. I can't believe the guy I see in the mirror some mornings. What are you doing in my bathroom? And it's me. Life rips by. Life is a vapor. But when it's over, you know what? I can, I'm happy I'm glad in the Lord because I'm headed to heaven. I'm going to make the most of life, but then I breathe my last. Either I die or I fly. That's the only options. Die or fly. I'm out of here. I'm going to heaven. And that's all future, but I'm happy about that. You know, and if you know you're going to be going somewhere soon you, and you're excited about that. Well, I'm, I'm happy about that. But here's the part that really works for us today, too. And you get help here on earth. You're not just rescued. You're not just connected to a heavenly father. You're not just headed to heaven. Get this. You have help on earth. And the gospel is so powerful that if you believe it, it will bring salvation to you. And that's worth finding. I said that's worth finding. Not religion. The gospel of Jesus. And if you believe it, it's so powerful, it will bring salvation to you. That is worth finding. That is worth developing into all that it can be in your life. And that is also, friends, listen to me, look at me. That is also worth sharing. It is worth sharing. Now, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For everyone, there it is again. Everybody say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? We just talked about that. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Let's do a little reverse engineering again, okay? Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's that salvation. But in order for you to call on the name of the Lord, you've got, you've got to believe. And in order to believe, you've got to hear. In order to hear, somebody has to tell you. And it seems that before anybody's going to tell somebody, they have to be sent. Well, just let me in, interrupt here right here. I'm sending you in the name of the Lord. And so as we look at this then, as we're being sent, and this is your part, go and tell. 
then they can hear and then maybe they'll believe. And if they believe, they'll call on the name of the Lord. And if they call on the name of the Lord, one out of 17 will be saved. Now, everyone. Did y'all hear that? Everyone. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I have some good news here this morning. Let me remind you of some statistics here. 95% of believers have never led someone to Jesus. Only 2%. I believe you're above average, though. Only 2% invite the unchurched to church. And let me remind you about the unchurched. 40% of the unchurched are the de-churched. And the reason they don't go to church is because they went to church. And church was done weird. How many of you went to weird church before? Church was done weird. It was done wrong. People were hateful. They watched strife. They saw hypocrisy. They saw abuse. They saw uh, weird. Did I mention weird? Um, they, they saw those things going on. It, it, they got yelled at. Left not feeling good about it all. Watch strife and splits and ugliness and all those things. You know, I thought, <laughs> that's what this is. Forget it. Forget it. So we've got a responsibility to do church right. And then there are others, you know, the, the, the rest of the unchurched. You know what studies show about them? The reason they don't go to church? No one's invited them. Studies also show that 82%, that's more than 8 out of 10, would most likely attend church if only invited. If you send people and they go and tell. Now, it should be that all of us are equipped to be able to just lead somebody all the way through that. And we see, though, that, you know, five, only 5% actually have been able to make that happen as a part of their life. So look at me and listen to me. The number one most effective form of evangelism in the world today is relational, invitational evangelism. Won't you say it with me? Relational, invitational evangelism. Now, this is not hard. It's not algebra. This is not, you know, the, the thing of elements. What's that called? Table of elements. It's not those. Uh, Break it down. Relational invitational. You could crack the code on that on your own. Relational invitational. Somebody I'm connected to. Somebody I have some level of relationship with that if I would invite them. I mean, we go to all kinds of stuff just because we get invited. You know, you've been to karate matches, ballet recitals, all kinds of stuff. Just because somebody asked you to, that had relationship and they, and We just need to go and tell. This is doable evangelism, relational, invitational. Now, the gospel is to be both seen and heard. It's not just to be heard. A lot of people just think it needs to be heard. These verses we talked about that they've got to hear. But I think before you can hear, sometimes you've got to see something. I think sometimes I can't hear some people because of what I see. And we want to make sure that people hear you because what they see in you is congruent with what you're saying and that what we're saying is not so counter and opposite and polar ends from what they see in our lives this has been attributed to saint francis of assisi and 
the scholars say it wasn't him, and then they're not sure who said it, so I'm going to take credit for it, okay, this, <laughs> this quote. I say, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. The reality is, eventually, words will be necessary. But we want to make sure that when the words are spoken, first things are first, that what they have seen in our life does not block them from believing what we say with our mouths. There should be what I call mounting evidence. Say that with me. Mounting evidence. There should be mounting evidence of this salvation in our lives. We've talked about it. The gospel is so powerful. If you believe it, it brings salvation to you. There should be mounting evidence in our life. There, there should be uh, increasingly obvious evidence that there is salvation inside of us. You must have the goods. There needs, I, I believe that people that have salvation, they have some grace, they have some faith, they're kind, they have some peace, they have some strength, they have some joy in their life. Are you following me? They, they get unstuck. All of us get stuck, but we get unstuck. Jesus came to bring us freedom. He fought. He paid a price so we could have freedom. And some of y'all been stuck for decades with habits and problems and mindsets and lies that we believed. And, and you can be free. And, and we can get unstuck. And there should be evidence of that in, in our lives. And I'm not talking about perfection. Matter of fact, I recommend you don't project perfection. Nor should you go around... Um, Saying that you have all the answers. So if you showed up, and, and I had in my early years Christians that tried to project and portray in front of me perfection in the name of the Lord. And had all the answers, but they weren't available to me. So I hold in my hand right now. A one million dollar bill. Why are you laughing? Why are you la- You're laughing because that's unbelievable. They, they don't have those. That's fake. In the same way, if we stand before people and we, we are perfect, got it all together, know all the answers. Ah! It's just like that. This salvation is so incredible. The best thing that we can do is to grow in it, to grow in it. And we're going to look at how to do that. And you're going to be surprised how simple the conclusion of this will be today. If we're going to grow in it, then we cannot be satisfied with what I'm going to call partial salvation. Partial. Jeremy, can I see your phone again here? This is a smartphone. I, I don't not selling anything, but come on people. There's so much available for you. Do not be afraid. Okay. Technology is an incredible thing. This phone right here contains over 20 times the amount of power and information that NASA had when they landed on the moon. Now don't try to go to the moon. There's not an app for that, okay? (laughs) But let me tell you what most of y'all use yours for. 
to answer calls, to play Angry Birds, <laughs> solitaire, and movie times on Fandango. And you feel like, I am just so equipped. But look at me. It's all in there. Say, it's all in there. Okay, cut away from that. The gospel is so powerful, it will bring salvation to you if you believe. I want your point right here. Say, it's all in there. It's all in there. And what we've got to do is grow, and we've got to get this out. We've got to bring this out. You know, there's way more than solitaire and angry birds for your, for your Christian walk. Are you following me? Jeremy, thank you for your phone. The other thing is this. You don't want to be a poser. I mean, you know what a poser is. Do we have any posers here today? No, I'm just um, Every morning I get up early. Seem like even on my day off, I can't help but get up early when I'm wanting to sleep in a little bit. I just, I've done this so long, I'm just kind of wired to do it. But I get up early, and to clear this up for folks, I don't get up early because I'm rested. Because that's the pushback from a lot of people. I can't get up early because when I get up early, I'm tired. I don't get up because I'm rested. I get up because it's become very, very important for me to meet the Lord first thing and to meet him early and before anything else can collide and, and crowd in on that and have my time with the Lord, not to study sermons, but just as a child of God, which is my highest privilege is to be a son of God, to be a child of God, to have the salvation, to just have some time before God. And so when I get up to do that, to pray and to read and just spend time with the Lord, I always get um, a cup of hot tea. And I find that mornings with Earl Gray and Jesus just go better. <laughs> and I sweeten, my, I sweeten my tea with Splenda. And, and don't come to me. People say, oh, well, if you use Splenda, there might be some side effects. Just don't do that. One guy actually told me if you use Splenda... Your bangs would fall off. <laughs> Where do people get this stuff? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, about a month or so ago, I'm getting my tea. It's early in the morning, and and I reached up to get some Splenda, and I reached up and I got this one in particular right here. And I looked at it, and I thought, hang on. And it's in the box with all the rest. It's in the same little uniform. It's just like all the rest. And there is nothing in it. <laughs> and I said it out loud. I looked at it. I said, you have just become a sermon illustration. <laughs> so we're all in the box this morning. I don't want to be a poser. I don't want to be in the box. I don't want to have the suit. You have nothing in me. And there's this incredible salvation. This incredible salvation that we don't want to be just have it partial. And we don't want to be a poser about it. We don't want to project that we've got it all together. We want to have this salvation, mounting evidence of this salvation. You continue to understand this. You grow in your salvation. This is not about, and I want you to get this, this is not about being the real deal. This is 
more about having the real deal. Do you get the difference? It's not about being the real deal. That's performance. It's about having the real deal. That's possession. Point right here again. It's all in there. Say it. It's all in there. And so the best thing that you can do, listen to me, listen to me. The best thing that you can do is to grow in your salvation. That's the best thing for you. Because then you become, remember, we are consumers of this. But we're also to be ambassadors of this. But in order for us to be a good ambassador of this, a credible ambassador, we have to be a satisfied consumer. And salvation comes to you to affect your life so that you can have righteousness, peace, and joy. You can have some hope. You can get unstuck. You can get some help. God would give you favor. God would give you blessing. God would guide you. God would forgive you. God would be patient with you. Is anybody here? So I'm preaching better than you're listening. And that we would have that in our life. So the best thing I can do for me, I teach this to our staff and our leadership all the time. My main ministry is my spiritual progress. My main ministry is my spiritual progress. Because if I don't have the goods, that's like a lifeguard that can't swim. A few weeks ago, we spent a couple of days at the beach. And early in the morning, we'd be out on the beach. Nobody's in the water yet. And we'd see these little lifeguards come running by with their little, what do they call it? torpedo deal and they come running by and I, the first morning I saw them run by and I was like and there's nobody in the water you know what they're doing training and even if a lifeguard could swim but they were so out of shape I wish I could come out there praying for you wish I had a smartphone. But the best thing that I can do for me is to grow in my salvation. And as a result of that, the best thing I can do for anybody else is to grow in my salvation. And that's for you too. Did you know somebody's counting on you? I mean, that helps me so much to just remember somebody's counting on me. My wife is counting on me. My children are counting on me. My grandson is counting on me. You are counting on me. You have people all around you that are counting on you. So we've got, we've got to dive in on this thing. We've got to grow in our salvation so that we are the strong, satisfied consumer. But we're also a credible ambassador of this incredible salvation. Can I get an amen or something out of somebody? Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12 and 13, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. I I know I have you repeat things sometimes. Would you say that? Work out your own salvation. salvation. Usually as soon as you mention the word work, some people are, (laughs) count me out. But this work out your own salvation. Follow me on this. 
When you believe the gospel and salvation is brought to you, follow this, the spirit works salvation in. And now with the spirit's help, we work it out. It's all in there. And we've got to grow. We've got to work it out and get it going in our lives. And the word work, like I said, throws some people off. But understand, God will be helping you. But this will require, church, hear me, this will require some effort and consistency on your part. God will help you. God will show you everything you need to do. He'll supply everything, all the, the will and the, the desire and the ability. He'll, he'll give it to you. But this will require on your part some effort and consistency on your part. Re- remember we did this series in training? And grace, make no mistake, uh, salvation rather, is by grace through faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. But understand this. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. We're not trying to earn. But there is some effort. The Holy Spirit is not the doer. He's the helper. And virtually all of the promises are conditional. That you would do this, he would do this. You draw near to God, he'll what? He'll draw near to you. And there's 8,809 other promises. Work out in the Greek, it's an imperative, and it means this. To affect by labor, to work fully, to cultivate, to make it fruitful, to continue working, sustained effort, to get results. Work out your own salvation. The story is told of a, a guy from the city, and he went out to the country to visit his Christian friend out in the country. He drives out there, and he gets out there, and the guy used to have just this massive farm, and now he's, he's kind of whittled it down a little bit, and he's working this huge patch of beautiful tomatoes. And he's sweating and working, and his friend from the city says, My, how the Lord has blessed you with this huge, wonderful tomato patch. And the farmer took his hat off and wiped his sweat off his brow, and he said, Yeah, but you should have seen this place when God had it all by himself. <laughs> So do you see that in our life, there is some cooperation, some participation, some involvement on our part. Salvation is not just received. It is also something that is lived. And there should be mounting evidence that salvation is being lived in our life. Look in in the surrounding verses here in Philippians 2. This is how saved people live out their salvation in community. In Philippians 2, 14 through 16, it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. Let me just stop right there. How many of you complained or argued this week at all? Come on, come on, come on. I put, I put my hand. And that's not our salvation coming out. How many of you know there's some other stuff in here too, okay? And that's not our salvation coming out. But saved people, as we grow in this, this will be evident. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. In verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is working. God will help you as we work out the salvation. And I want you to notice in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Get this with fear and trembling. Everybody say with fear and trembling with fear and and trembling. You know what that really is saying to us? That you don't take this lightly. 
That you're not casual about this. You're not careless about this. This matters. There's a lot riding on this. Other people are counting on the fact. And they don't even know this. They don't even know that they're going to need to count on the fact that you're strong. And that there is some salvation in your life. Not perfect. But just not staying partial and not staying a poser. And not projecting the wrong thing. But the real deal. Again, it's not so much that you are the real deal. The main thing is that you have the real deal. And we work this out in our life and not casually. There needs to be a commitment to this. I want this in my life. I don't want to live afraid. I don't want to live depressed. I don't want to live confused. And salvation addresses those things. I don't want to live bound. I don't want to live stuck. I don't want to live with no favor, no grace, no anything. And you don't have to, and I don't have to, because that's contained in this incredible salvation. Salvation is not just getting you headed to heaven. It's to help you. And then you know what happens? Helped people help people. And free people free people. Hurt people And you know what? It's just time that with fear and trembling, not casual, not careless, they're going to work this salvation out. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Because we need it in our life. And guess what? If we're going to be able to share effectively with other people, there better be the real deal in us. The answer really comes down to just two words here. Humble. Obedience. Say it. He said this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Church, this is how you grow in your salvation. Humbly obey. Humbly obey the teachings of Jesus. Humbly obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, your helper. And the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you contrary to the teachings of Jesus. And if you humbly obey those, and I love the way Paul put it, you did it in my presence, and now do it even much more in my absence. You know what that means? No matter who's looking or not looking, this great salvation, if I want it in my life, and I do... And I don't want it just in my life. I want it in your life. And the people connected to you. This is the only way to travel through this planet. Through this life. And to be set for the life beyond this. We've got to have it. How do we do it? Humble obedience. Not proud obedience. We're not Dudley do-right that we do it in front of everybody else. But if nobody's looking or whatever, it is just settled in us. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. Forgive. Forgive? Do you know what they did? And Jesus has the higher vantage point and he says, no, it's the best thing to do. Let them go. Let them go. Because you're trying to hurt them by you drinking poison. The poison of unforgiveness. And there's so many other things. He just said, just do this. Just do this. And we need to love him and trust him enough to just say, I will humbly obey you. I'll be patient. I'll be kind. I'll read your word. I'll worship you. I'll gather together with other believers 
I'll be helpful. I'll serve. I'll give. I'll be patient. I'll be quiet. I'll step back. I'll prefer somebody else. I'll make allowances for other people. I'll trust you. I'll lean into the wind. I'll hold on even though it hurts right now. Having done all to stand, I'll stand. I know I'm never alone. I know I'm never without help. And you hold on to that and just humbly obey him. He does not give us busy work. He's with you wherever you go. And he knows the next step to take. And if you'll humbly obey him, I'm telling you what will happen. There'll be mounting evidence. There'll be growing evidence. It will become obvious to you. This great salvation is on the inside of you. Impacting my life. I'm not just headed to heaven. I've got help here on earth. I'm connected to a heavenly father. You follow me? I'm rescued. And once you've been rescued, and, and, and this is just in my heart by the spirit right now. Some of you have been rescued from some stuff. Some of you had some ways of life that were destroying you and you're now free. And you need to not forget where you came from because God wants to help and use your story and your victory to help somebody else who's in those things. Don't you ever forget that. The reality is some of you need to stop hiding your scars. Let them be a trophy. See what he rescued me from. Amen. It's not so much about being the real deal. It's about having the real deal. And that real deal is salvation. And salvation is not just something to be received. It's something that is to be lived and to be worked out. It's the best thing that we can do for ourselves and consequently for others that we would grow in our salvation. And the way we do it, church help me. Humble obedience. When do you do that? Just all the time. Do you have to have an audience? No, and I think it even counts more when you don't have an audience. There should be mounting evidence of this great salvation in our life. And then the gospel will be both seen and heard. It's worth finding. It's worth growing in. And it is worth sharing. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord.